Hello, and welcome to the Brothers in Armchairs podcast. We are three friends brought together through our years of military service who share a common interest in movies and pop culture. I'm your host, Kenny, and with me always are my brothers, Arnez and Dell. Hey, everybody. Aloha. Today's show is the second in our request line minisodes. If you are interested in suggesting a movie for us to review, please send us an email at brothersinarmchairspodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on social media. Today's movie comes courtesy of our friend Lee, whom I've known for many years. She requested 1982's The World According to Garp. She had told me that it's one of her favorite movies, and me being an 80s buff, she thought I might like it. I've actually never seen this movie before, and I think in my head I kind of get it confused with What's Eating Gilbert Grape, just because the title is kind of weird. I also learned this movie is based on a book, which I have not read, so I was intrigued to watch it. Any of you guys read the book? Uh, yes, but it's been a while. No, I didn't read it. Yeah, I've never read it either. All right. Well, uh, Lee and I have a deep history of watching movies together, and her recommendations are usually spot on. As a kid, we would make a habit of watching horror movies at her house and then discussing them for days. So I asked Lee to phone in and leave us a message, giving us a quick rundown of her review, why she requested it, and then, of course, giving us our patented rating system of play, pass, or pause. So here's her breakdown. Hi, guys. It's Lee. So my pick is World According to Garp, starring Robin Williams. I picked this movie for a couple of reasons. I remember watching it when I was younger with my mom, who apparently was okay with me watching a wildly inappropriate movie for an eight-year-old, I guess because she thought I wouldn't understand it. Uh, But it stuck with me. And for some reason, I just remembered bits and pieces of it. So when I was older, I was able to say, hey, mom, what's that movie where, you know, this and that happened? And she was like, oh, that's World According to Gart. And so I watched it and I really enjoyed it. Um, I enjoy those movies that are almost like biographies that follow a character throughout their life and, and tell you their ups and their downs and let you know that not everything is perfect and maybe things will work out and maybe things won't. There's going to be ups and downs. So I just really connected with the character uh, when I watched him when I was older, you know, in my mid-20s. I thought to myself that if a movie can make you care about one particular character as well as a book can then the movie has to be worth something to that viewer. And that's how I viewed World According to Garp. I really enjoyed and cared and laughed and cried while watching Garp's life evolve. And, you know, he went through in his ups and downs. So that's why I enjoyed this movie so much. But I picked it because Dell is constantly talking about character development. And this and Joy Luck Club are two of the movies that I feel I've ever watched with the most character development ever. I feel like a good backstory or a good history or a good chronological following of a character to create their story, to create their biography is the best form of character development. It's better than flashbacks. It's better than, you know, dialogue, letting us see what they lived through. That That's good character development. Letting us live how they lived and, and see how they reacted to situations. That's the best kind of character development. Uh, this is also one of the few books that I didn't care for as much as I liked the movie, which for me, an avid reader and an English teacher, that's a big deal. So I really enjoyed the movie much more than the book. I attribute that possibly to Robin Williams. He's one of my favorites. And he just really owned this character. This is one of his first movies, I think. So if I were to 3P this, this is obviously a play for me. And I hope it is for you guys as well. Thank you. Wow. So I didn't realize she didn't pick this movie for me. She picked it for you, Dell. Oh, but- yeah. 
Must be the English teacher in her. She's always impressed by your devotion to character development. So I'm the character development guy, huh? Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's so exciting. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's dive into this movie. I mean, it's 80s Robin Williams. How bad can it be? But before we begin, we ask that you please subscribe and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd really appreciate it. And now let's get into this review. Garp. Garp. Garp? Yes, Garp. Sounds like a fish. When I get older, losing my head. Many years from now. Hey, Garth, you want to play? Yes. Not tonight. I have a headache. Every night you have a headache. <laughs> Will you still be sending me a Valentine? Birthday greetings, bottle of wine. My name is T.S. Garp. What's T.S. stand for? Terribly sexy. I used to be terribly shy, but I changed. If I'd been out till quarter to three, would you lock the door? Now make it easy on yourself. Don't be a baby, Duncan. Say da-da. Will you still need me? Will you still feed me when I'm 64? I hate to use a corny line like this, but haven't I seen you before? You like football? Oh, yeah. I used to watch it quite a bit. Well, you might have seen me. I was a tight end with the Philadelphia Eagles. Send me a postcard. Drop me a line. Stating point of view. T.S. Garp. Not the bastard son of Jenny Fields! I'm gonna be safe here. Indicate precisely what you mean to say. You're sincerely wasting away. We are civilized people, and civilized people obey rules! You have one hell of a way of making converts to civilization. Will you still need me? Will you still feed me? When I'm 64. What does the TS stand for? Terribly sad. Used to be terribly sexy, but I, but it changed. Oh, I don't <laughs> think so. The World According to Garp, 1982, directed by George Roy Hill. Available for streaming on YouTube or rental wherever you get videos on demand. Based on the novel by John Irving, screenplay written by Steve Tisch. A struggling young writer finds his life and work dominated by his unfaithful wife and his radical feminist mother who best-selling manifesto turns into a cultural icon. So I'm going to take lead on this guy. Our movie begins with Jenny Fields, played by Glenn Close, holding a baby and confronting her parents, played by Jessica Tandy and Hume Cronin, which I must admit, it was fun seeing them in a movie again, about an illegitimate birth of her son, T.S. Garp. Apparently, Jenny, a nurse, made the decision that she wanted a baby without the headache of a husband, and she took advantage of a wounded soldier in a hospital, possibly raped, in order to achieve her goal. From here, the movie takes us through the life and times of Garb as he navigates boyhood, teenager, young man, and finally middle-aged adult. Garb has a vivid imagination, and in the beginning, he desires a life with his pilot father and becoming a flyer, often drawing detailed pictures which come to life in his mind on what life with him might be like. Later, he makes the decision to become a writer and is determined to achieve his goal. For his first take, he tries to write his mother's life story, of which his mother says that it's not his story to tell. Garp then begins to write short fiction, with a panache for sad novellas. Meanwhile, his mother decides that maybe she should write her own story and writes a novel entitled Sexual Suspect, which examines the world of feminism and lust. Jenny's book goes on to find enormous economic success, while Garp's novel turns in modest returns. 
Jenny's book is so successful, it becomes a manifesto for a women's movement, which spawns into Jenny buying a house in which she shares with young women who need healing and can come and seek help. In the interim of writing of his novels, Gart marries his high school sweetheart, Helen Holm, with whom he has children and becomes a family man. The movie then follows Garp's life and jumps from time to time in a sort of linear highlight reel. Garp has two children, suffers infidelity, loses a child, patches up with his wife, has another child, loses his mother, finds a belief to stand on, and in the end, dies for that belief. The story examines a life, whether ordinary or extraordinary, on full display from beginning to end. But it is a life, and I believe the sentiment of this movie is to show a life that has been lived. The movie currently has a Rotten Tomatoes score of 78% and an audience score of 79%. It was nominated for two Academy Awards, both actors in a supporting role. Glenn Close for supporting actress as Jenny Fields and John Lithgow for supporting actor as Roberta, former Eagles tight end turned woman. Neither would win. Jack Nicholson won for Terms of Endearment and Lyndon Hunt would win for A Year of Living Dangerously. The movie was a mild success at the box office, being made for $17 million. The movie made roughly around $29 million in box office sales. So the good. I enjoyed the cast. The movie is very well acted, and I enjoyed seeing John Lithgow, Mary Beth Hurt, Jessica Tandy, Hume Cronin, and especially Robin Williams. 2020 is the sixth anniversary of his tragic death, and I must admit I miss him on film. Very few actors have had the impact that Robin Williams has had on culture, so it was nice to see a vibrant Robin Williams who showed his drama chops long before he would get his Oscar for Goodwill Hunting. Did you guys get excited about seeing Robin on screen? I did. I kind of enjoyed seeing him on screen again. Yeah, I kind of oh. missed him too. Yeah, he's a, you know, for a guy that was kind of predicted to be one of the world's best comedians and became one of the world's best comedians, to see his, the genres that he put into his acting, it, it's pretty amazing. And watching him again in the world, according to Garp, what, you know, how long after I've seen it, maybe 30 years, it's still impressive. I was shocked by how I had never seen this movie before. So seeing him in such a young age do such a wonderful dramatic performance, it was really unique for me to see. So the movie for me is a compelling one-time watch. It was, I was riveted and wanted to see how the movie would end. So on that front, it is a well-told story. Would also like to note that the movie's director, George Roy Hill, has an amazing pedigree of movies directed. These films include The Sting, one of my personal favorites, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, Slapshot, and Slaughterhouse-Five, another book adaptation I haven't seen. The Bad. This movie's not my cup of tea. Although well-acted and written, it's far too realistic and depressing. Plus, I have issues with a movie that when I get to the end, I say, uh, what is it I just watched? The movie is about a life, but it isn't about any one thing. The narrative here is to show us the life of Garp, and quite frankly, it's a very depressing and sad life. There's no feel-good walking away from this movie, and to be honest, I kind of walked away a little bummed out. The message it sends isn't even one of hope or live your life to the fullest. And I'm not really sure I got the message, even if there was one. It was more of a documentary of one man's life. I need my bow. As you guys know, very few movies are going to make it make my own movie highlight reel when the main character dies. All right, guys, tell me what you thought. Well, Kenny, <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't like this movie, but I, I get why you didn't. Yes, it is a kind of a depressing movie. If you think about all the bad stuff that happens to him, uh, learns that his father was not killed in action or anything like that, you know, learn that his mother raped his father, basically, for him to be born there. Wait, so yeah. I, I just want to clarify, his dad was dead, right? We didn't, we didn't find him later, did we? Did I miss that? No, no he no, died. He, so she raped him prior to him dying. Right, okay, so, okay. So, but he did, the father ended up, did end up dying, I think that, if I remember correctly, that evening or something later on that day. Yeah, he, he yeah. said one word, good. <laughs> yeah, right? 
hey, if you got to go, you got if that's the way you got to go, two yeah. thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> but overall, I mean, if you've watched Robin Williams prior to this movie and you like him, you're going to watch this, want to watch this movie for him. It was different for him, even though it was a serious movie there. There were some great comedy scenes in there. I think him and um, the actor, Jenny Fields, I think were great, had great chemistry together, as well as Roberta. I think the Roberta character and even his wife, was it Helen? Helen? In yeah, the Helen Holmes. Worked. The cast was just phenomenal. They all worked great enough to where it did tell the story. And although I'm not a big fan of character development, I like how this told everything from, I think it was like four generations or four decades. I mean, it went from him being a kid up to him being a grown man with a family there. Yeah, and I, I, it was, I appreciated the linear aspect of it. I, I was afraid what they were going to do was like bounce around in different aspects of his life was where I was thinking the movie was going to go. So I appreciated the fact that it was all one life set out before you from beginning to end. So yeah, I agree yeah. with you on that one. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, like you said, as far as the message there, I, I don't know what the message was either from this movie. I just kind of enjoyed the seriousness of it and how uh, Robin Williams took it as a character, you know, how he dealt with everything and they moved on. I, I think the, the characters that were following his mom, you know, for her writing the book there, I mean, it kind of shows you how some people get really serious on that stuff. And in today's environment there, you have some people who are really serious, just like in the, the movie there, so enough to where that they were killing for it on both sides of the, the field if you look at it there so i enjoyed the movie i mean yeah it was a more of a drama but it had enough comedy in it for me that i like it enjoy it so so i thought it was interesting that irving when he submitted the original draft of the world according to garp the name the world according to garp was just a working title he needed he didn't know what he was going to name it he just put it there and submitted it and it was a publisher who refused to allow him to change the name because it fit the story so well and when you think about it the world according to Garp, that's what we see. We don't get much background on anybody except for Garp and the way he sees everyone that surrounds him from Roberta to his mother to his wife. Anyone's role in that film is as is related to Garp, which is for me, it was really cool that that was consistent throughout the film. We only get to know what Garp knows and we don't get to know any more than that, which was really neat. We kind of get lost in thinking, well, what about Garp? How come we don't know more about Garp himself? We're not supposed to. We're only supposed to know the world according to Garp. It's what he sees, not who Garp is. And that was a large frustration for some critics out there uh, when the movie came out. And it is somewhat in line in the book. You know, Leah mentioned that the movie was better than the book. I think it is, but only because in the book, Garp in the book is a little bit darker. He's not Robin Williams. Robin Williams, in essence, changed the, changed the tone of this film. The part was written almost you could say for Robin Williams, even though it wasn't, but when he tried out for the part, he got it, no problem, because he changed and he personified what the director wanted Garp to be. Irving had mentioned in an interview a few years back that he, Robin Williams was not his choice. If he had a choice, he would not have chosen Robin Williams to play Garp because he was so funny, he was so lighthearted, he was so likable. And that kind of tells you that the Garp in the book is not at all like that very different person. Matter of fact, the Garp in the book is an adulterer, you know, and so he was in this movie too, right? Well, was he? Yeah. He slept with the grad student in the car. Did he sleep with her? 
No, yeah. you didn't. We didn't yeah. see that. No, yeah. but they insinuated no, that. They, I mean, it's the they, same thing. Yes. You could say the same thing with the with the wife, right? Like you never see her sleep with the guy in the station wagon, but you know he's she's going to. She's like, yeah. let's go to your place. You don't know she could have gotten there. It was dirty and she left. No, that's <laughs> much. That, that, that's way different than two people talking in the car without either one of them saying specifically what they wanted to do. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not buying no, it. He felt the, he felt jealousy. He even rolled over. Looking very angry when she when she accused him of something. after yes exactly right yeah. but he was ashamed I'm, the, the point I'm it. trying to make is that in the book it's blatant oh okay 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 in the movie they kind of touch on it but they don't full on tell you that he has done it or how many times he's done it in the book it's it's a couple of people I think at least two people that he's had affairs with in the film it might be the one babysitter who claims she's 18 but we don't directly know that. And so they, you can, the differences are pretty significant in the way Garp is portrayed in the film versus the book. And I think for that reason, the film Garp is much more likable. Yeah, I, uh, I agree just, with that because of the fact that film Garp too, um, when he, after he has that affair, it seems like, at least from my perspective, watching the movies, that he throws himself into being a family man after that. Right. It was like it reestab- reaffirmed right. his belief in his family. Right. Let's look at the kids. Right. That happens afterwards. Right. Let's look at the kids. Let's read. Let's really appreciate the life we have. Garp as a character in the film that Robin Williams brings. I mean, you talk about a character throughout the entire film. We see all these little snippets of his life, just like you mentioned before. But there's some things that you see that it's like, yeah, you know, that's a regular guy thing. Like I, I would probably chase after a madman in a truck that's been terrorizing my neighborhood and bashes windows in after a few years of dealing with. I could probably do that. And so you see that he's kind of a normal cat and he does some weird stuff like, you know, when he, get, when he gets his ear bitten off by Bonkers the dog and then later yeah. on in life, he ends Bite. up biting <laughs> off Bonkers ear. Okay, you know, okay, I can see that. So there's a lot of relatable things about the way Robin Williams portrays Garp in the film that really lends well to the film itself. It gets you to like the character, thusly you start to enjoy the film. You do get that he struggles with his life and accepting who he is, a lot of it has to deal with his name, right? T.S. Garp. And throughout the film, he changes what T.S. means. It actually means technical sergeant because that was the rank of his father. And his mother chose to call him T.S. without telling him that it's technical sergeant Garp. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So he changes it to, I think, terribly shy. Yeah. Terribly sexy. sexy. Yeah. <laughs> terribly sad, I think, was one of them. So he keeps uh-huh. changing it throughout. And that's part of the struggles of him trying to find who he is. And his lot in life, he starts to appreciate more and more his life throughout, you know, as the film goes on. But then obstacles hit, right? The mom gets killed. You know, the, the, his, his struggles trying to understand the Jamesians. I think you touched on that, Arnez, the, the cult yeah, he, that developed the Jamesians. Yes. <laughs> but towards the latter part of his life, he starts to try to change all of that. He writes, you know, when it comes to the Jamesians, he writes that book about Ellen, right? He calls it Ellen. And he's writing about the girl who was raped by two men and then they cut her tongue out and thus spawned a group of women who cut their tongues out in silent protest of rape and battery of women. And so he writes that book about her and he gets vindicated because Ellen shows up, right? She shows up, she hustles him out of his mother's funeral and then she kind of gives him the thank you, Yeah. right? And so it, you know, scenes like that happen throughout the movie and you got to kind of pay attention to see where it happens. And these little things they give Garp that reassurance that he's doing something right, that he's doing okay. Of course, the wife, she fools around on him and then she, she bites off her lover's penis. But then ultimately <laughs> they get back together and they have a daughter. And you would think the loss of a child would be a little bit more significant in the film. It wasn't, which I found a little strange. 
Um, but I think they focused more on the progression of Garp and his life rather than, you know, getting that sad portion of grieving for his son for too long. I think it's just one scene, right? Yeah. Right. And I, I would also add to that, though, that one of the things that I didn't like about the movie was the fact that they gloss over it so quickly. Like I said, it's yeah. a, like a linear highlight reel, like you're watching the sports center of Garp's life. Yeah. Like there were certain aspects, I think, that needed to be conveyed there for you to really feel the weight of what just happened. Oh, yeah, I completely agree. And, and what would you say, Kenny, what would you say would be the main one? If you could if you could choose one piece of Garp's life to get more out of in this film, which would that be? The loss of the child, for sure. Oh. Like that whole sequence there, you know, he, he suddenly goes from being obviously angry with her, but having no dialogue with her at all. We see yeah. no dialogue between the two. And then suddenly he gets, you know, his jaw unwired and he gets his tongues, you know, stitches taken out. And he just immediately comes back and says, okay, you know, like I missed you. I want you in my life again, you know? And I don't feel like we felt the weight of the loss of the child and what it meant to both of them really, other than the piano scene where he comes down and he slams the piano door down and says, and she yells back at him. That's the only sequence we get. No, we don't. We get another sequence there. He's more mad at her at that time, the piano thing, right? It still has, I don't think it had to deal with the son, which is kind of weird when you think about it. Yeah, you're right. Well, what about that, Arnez? We do get a a scene a little further down in the movie there when he, basically after he gets his stitches taken out of his tongue and stuff there, when he comes into her room there, you kind of feel that he, yes, he misses his son because he says to her, you know, I miss you, blah, blah, blah. I miss Walt. Let's have another child. Yes, it doesn't make up for that one. That's the only time. Yeah, they never. That, that's it. That's yeah. the one thing. I thought earlier in that. No, that were, was it. Yeah, matter of fact, it's not. It's not outright told to you that Walt is dead. Well, yeah, you you just get the close up of the kid's face when he's doing that. Uh, what is he called? That the ghost, the ghost ship. Right, 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 okay. right. Yeah. yeah. So you you make that assumption, and then you get confirmation in that one scene when he's forgiving her, and he says, "I miss Walt," and that's when you know that Walt is gone. You absolutely know it at that point. Um, but I, so, I mean, I think the movie, I mean, if you, if you look at the, just how the movie's framed there, when he was healing at the mother's or grandparents' house or whatever house they were at there, you know, it takes some time for him, him and her just to heal. So I'm thinking at least a couple of months have already gone by of them not talking. Oh, a lot of time has flown by. So I can understand how maybe it was in the, maybe they recorded more scenes about the child, but when they did the editing portion of it, they took some of it out because as you said, it, it's, the world according to Garp. Yeah, they could have maybe showed his feelings a little bit more on it, on it but I don't think it was. I think it would have helped. I, I think it would have helped because it kind of, it brings it down, right? So it, it brings Garp down. It, it shows us maybe the regret, the sorrow. Maybe he blames himself a little bit for the loss of his son because his wife had warned him to stop doing that in the first place. And, you know, they never covered it. They never went back to it. They didn't, didn't revisit it. They just moved past it. And so I agree with Ken. I would have liked a little bit more having to deal with Walt's death. I mean, I, th- I think he blamed her enough by not talking to her. So I think yeah, like, they didn't he touch couldn't on that. talk to her though, right? I mean, yeah, he, he couldn't. Yeah. So, I mean, we miss all that dialogue that I think would have been meaningful to the movie. You know what yeah. I mean? Those emotions, those feelings being conveyed outward, at least for a watching audience would have been, but would have been necessary, I think. I think they could have put maybe a minute more in there concerning that, but I don't think it was needed. I would have taken a minute of that. That'll be enough for me. Just something, something other than I miss Walt. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, A little bit more would have been nice. 
So, you know, I'll go with my, my bad and then my good. So my bad is that there are portions in that film where I feel I would have wanted more, but of course it is already kind of a long film to begin with. So if you're adding on another 20, 30 minutes, I think that'll make it too long and then you'll lose interest. So it'd probably be one of those uh, Lord of the Rings, four hours extended versions just for Dell. And I'd be happy. <laughs> uh, but not necessarily for the movie crowd on opening night. The, the good parts, uh, so many to go over for me. One, one big thing, I forgot it was John Lithgow that played Roberta. Yes. I totally forgot when it came on and I was watching, I said, wait a minute, is that John Lithgow? Oh, it is John Lithgow. And he's playing Roberta Muldoon, right? The, the transgendered uh, former NFL football player. Yes. Uh, I totally forgot. And you know, funny enough, if you look at the Roberta Muldoon's character, she is the anchor of everyone. She's the emotional support for the mother, for Garp and for Garp's wife. That is so is, true. Yeah. Yes. Which is kind of neat when you, and you think about it, when was this book written? It's like in the seventies, right? 78 or something like that. And to add that character in, in a book in 1978 and for that book to be popular, that's kind of impressive for, for the times. I agree. It, it would have been groundbreaking. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I was, uh, again, caught me off guard. That's how long it's been since I've seen this movie long enough to where it's probably before Lithgow became a household name. I think third, 30 rock. What was the movie? No, you said that. Third, what he did rock this, from the sun, right. third rock from the sun. Um, so something else that something, the other big good that I'll take that I'll point out in this movie is the, the final scene when Garp is, Garp has been shot. He's in the medevac helicopter and they're taking him to the hospital. And he says, what does he say? He says, I'm flying, right? I'm flying. Yeah. Just like mm-hmm. he did at the beginning of the movie. Right. At the yeah. beginning of the movie. And then at the end of the movie, we also see that same scene of the baby flying in the air, right? The same thing yeah. comes back. While he doesn't say it outright in the movie, in the book, Garp does absolutely die. But the point in his death and the point in, his, in him saying, I'm flying at the end of the film, was he's at this point in his life, he's come to terms with everything and he's happy with his life for the first time. He's okay. He's ready. He lived a good life and he's at peace with it. And that's the significance of that ending scene that I think a lot of people miss over. And it helps if you have read the book. So that was the other, that was the other good point I wanted to point out. It, it's a very significant scene that most people will just gloss over. I just felt like the whole being shot part at the end was like, I, we didn't need that scene. And it's the same weird little girl with the glasses that had be kind of been terrorizing him his whole life. <laughs> well, she, you know, she wasn't, she wasn't well, she's, she's Cushy's, she's Cushy's sister. Pooh. Yes. Yeah. Right. She's a little off to begin with, but then she becomes a Jamesian, which is when she starts to develop a hate for Garp because Garp wrote that book, Helen mm-hmm. or Ellen. And, and Ellen. I don't think she liked him throughout the whole movie as a young child. She always had something either against him or she just, I don't know. Right. But then when yeah. Garp shows up at the women's only funeral for his own mother dressed in drag, I think that's the point where she's, she just, turns everything into just full on hate. And Hatred, he yeah. had received death threats before from the Jamesians. But I think now it's Pooh who has it, who has it in her heart that she's going to kill him. And then she does. Mm. But this, this is important. I think, I think it's important because that's the same way, the same way his mother died is the same way he dies. And they stood for something. They made something of their lives. And I think it's a fitting end for the character. I would say, I just didn't like it. too much drama for you (laughs) it's not even too much drama it's just the fact that it it was like you feel so much pain for this character throughout the entire movie just to have him go out like that it just seems like a very unsatisfying end but it's satisfying for Garp it is I think that's the part that you're missing what what do I care about Garp he's dead (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm wow. the one. I'm the one who had to sit through two hours of his adventure. Like, <laughs> wow. Kenny, let me ask you a question. Then, did you see uh, Robin Williams in uh, Millennium Man? That's uh, good. No, I never saw it. You never saw that? Oh my goodness. Yeah. There was a don't, patch of movies that Robin Williams. There was a patch of movies that Robin Williams came out in that just I just stopped watching him. I think it was his Patch Adams phase through like that whole. There was like a series of movies that around Patch Adams that were just awful. He made that one Toys, and he made Toys. I get that. Yeah, made that Millennium Man. He made he made a bunch of little movies in that period. But that, that was, was a good movie. If you say so, I mean, but you, you like Breakdown Lane, so, you know, I'm like, <laughs> no, I did not. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I really did appreciate watching this show again for, you know, it's been so long and I watched it and I think Leia had mentioned that I watched it when I was a kid and, you know, I really, I didn't understand it when I was in the coast, when I'm on my first tour, I read the book because it was one of the few things we had available when the TV was down, um, <laughs> which made me like it, but not love it. And then having watched it this time around, I really do. I really am a fan of this film I, I, and Robin Williams. So just so you know, Del, her name is Lee. Oh, I'm sorry, Lee. Sorry, Lee. <laughs> <laughs> She's going to get me later on that. I know she, <laughs> she listens to the episode. Tell him my name is Lee. <laughs> I know. My bad. In, in Hawaii, it's, it's, it's said Lee. Hey, I'm fine with that. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> but, I, but I did appreciate the recommendation. Yeah. All right, guys, let's 3P it up. Go ahead, Arnez. I'm going to give it a play. Oh, yeah. I'm a play. And I am a pass. Ooh. <laughs> oh. You're just angry because it wasn't for you after all. Yeah. I know. Like, what, what's that about? <laughs> <laughs> She's my friend. <laughs> but no, Lee, I really appreciate the recommendation. This was a good one for us to watch. It was good. Thank you. Yeah, two of us liked it. <laughs> Well, that's all the time we have for today. Don't forget to subscribe and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd love to hear from you on email or social media. You can email us online at brothersinarmchairspodcast at gmail.com. You can visit us on Twitter at BroArmchairs. Join our Facebook group, Brothers in Armchairs Podcast. Follow Instagram, Brothers in Armchairs Podcast. Thanks for listening and keep those requests coming. For myself, Arnez, and Dell. This has been the Brothers in Armchairs Podcast. Goodbye, everybody. Appreciate. Aloha. Aloha.